and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you download your podcasts, wherever you stream your amazing video content. We appreciate you being here as always. We got a big show for you today. We're going to recap a big win for Sporting Kansas City, one of the craziest games I think we've ever been a part of, the three of us. And that's saying something because Sporting's played in some crazy games over the years. And something tells me we're going to see more and more of these types of crazy games in this tournament. We're going to recap that. We're going to pl- play some sound, actually, from Peter Vermees and Tim Melia from their Zoom conference from yesterday about that game and other things going on with the team. And we're going to talk with the hero, Graham Zussi, who scored the match winner in that topsy-turvy game um, on Friday as well. Took a deflection, a weird deflection. It worked out. He gets credit for the goal. And uh, we'll talk with Graham about that and everything else that's going on down in Orlando as well. And then we will preview for you what is a, uh, another big, big game on, uh, on Wednesday morning, 8 o'clock Central Time, when Sporting KC will take on Real Salt Lake in a result-or-go-home fashion. They need a draw or a win, or else their, uh, their time at the MLS's back tournament would come to an end. So a lot at stake in this game tomorrow morning. We'll preview that for you here in a little bit. But first, guys, let's go back to the game on Friday. And a little, uh, a little recap of this action. First things first, Colorado came out of the gates firing. They put Sporting Kansas City under pressure. Yes, it was a really good goal from Kellen Acosta in the sixth minute. But would any of us disagree that Colorado deserved something the way they were playing I mean it was only six minutes in but they really did take it to Sporting Kansas City in the first few minutes of that game Carter what you you were down there on the sideline what did you see in the early moments of that game certainly that Colorado came out with a really good game plan and I think it entirely expecting and they executed it really well um, for that first 15 or 20 minutes and I think you're right I think they got uh, a deserved goal in, in the early stages and at that point, Sporting did actually mount a couple of challenges in the first half, a couple of shots. One hit the, the woodwork, if I remember correctly, and I remember the one by Jack Price that he saved off the line. Um, but it still didn't feel like Sporting were necessarily, you know, getting the better of things at any point uh, for any extended stretch to that first half. They go into the locker room, come out. Carter, you talked to Kerry Zavagnin there, and it's, it was great stuff on the radio broadcast. I thought that some of the – the pointers that he gave you in terms of what Sporting Kansas City were going to try to adjust in the second half, and it looked like those adjustments really started to make a difference. 100%. It was it was awesome talking to him and, and actually seeing that game plan from Sporting happen in the second half. So what he said was um, they maybe didn't expect that Price would drop in, form a, form a three, and so that was kind of like a, a three versus one on Alan Polito. They really wanted to shut down his involvement in the game, and, and they did – a pretty good job of that, you'd have to say, in the first half. Um, neither he nor Kinda really got into the game. And the wingers were a little bit limited as well because then you had you had the three and then they kind of made a five with their with their guys, their fullbacks, um, uh, really marking Johnny Russell and, and Kyrie Shelton pretty well. So um, they, they saw that and they wanted to change up a little bit. One of the things, you know, move the ball side to side a little bit quicker. But the other thing was they said they were going to go up the middle a little bit more in the second half, and we saw that come to fruition. And then 
um, the long ball from and the run from Kyrie Shelton really really changed the entire game and um, he, he looks a, a different player now and he's a game changer and they they couldn't handle him on that long ball and, and that red card really obviously helped Sporting KC uh, flip the flip the table. Yeah, those adjustments. And then I'd even say um, bringing in, you know, the substitution of Gerso Fernandez for Johnny Russell. I think Johnny getting shut down um, so much early on in that game. And then Gerso's energy just really helped open things up offensively for Sporting Kansas City. But, you know, those adjustments, I think, led to some frustration for Colorado. You look at, you know, both the red cards and that play specifically on Kyrie Shelton. An obvious red card, and Vermees talked about it in his press conference, you know, not every player would make that run at that point in the game like Kyrie did. And because he's, you know, not just tactically so much better as we're seeing in 2020, but physically so hard to match, you know, it's such a physically tough matchup for so many defenders. I think it just, you know, really frustrated Colorado's defense and then ultimately led to a, a really, you know, lucky turn of events for Sporting KC. So smart from him, right? To, right, right. Sorry to to shield his his body into to Wilson. He knew he had the the run on him, and if mm -hmm. he could just get body into him, then he was going to be in on goal. It's just a really smart play for Shelton. And to maintain control as well. I mean, he never at any point in that entire run looked out of control, despite having, um, you know, the hand, the arms around the waist, which was the the red card, and that was you know what was seen on tape. But yeah, just I, all around a really great great you know great judgment from Kyrie Shelton on that play well I think we need to talk more about the other stuff that Kyrie Shelton's doing too because we've seen the the power the grace and the athleticism of Kyrie Shelton we saw that in 2018 and the work ethic and and that made him a very uh important part of that team a a big time contributor he was a helpful player but I think what we're seeing now from Kyrie Shelton is the killer instinct part the, the guy that, that believes he should be on the end of the ball inside the penalty area, the guy that's not afraid to fire that shot inside the near post when the goalkeeper sneaks off his line. And even before that red card happened, he was one of the lone bright spots in the first half of that game, despite what you talked about, Carter, which was the two center backs for, uh, for the Colorado Rapids were flaring way out wide to basically it was like their, their motto was – we're going to slow down the wing, the, the wings here, and and then we're going to leave Jack Price here to to work, you know, to to beat up on Polito. And and I mean, you saw it. Abubakar was out there taking a chunk out of Johnny Russell every time he had the opportunity to, and somehow Kyrie Shelton still in a game like that was able to be a factor. And he he was already a good player. If you had gotten back to Kyrie Shelton that Sporting had in 2018, I think you have a pretty good player that can help you. The guy that they see right now, though, looks like a player that's got all that physical ability we'd already seen and now added some of the other components. I don't want to overreact to a short period of time, but we've seen that all the way going back to, to preseason training in Arizona, didn't we, Carter? Yeah, I think he's increased his technical ability. And then maybe that's one of the reasons why we've seen an increase in confidence. Um, what you just talked about, what a lot of guys are saying about him. I, I talked to Alan Polito after the game and and he said that the same thing that he sees a a good soccer player who's full of confidence and and uh, obviously when it comes to strikers, that's such a big part of their game. And so um, it really looks like he's visualizing it right now and and making it happen. And that finish was was a difficult one against Colorado, 
Uh, it's a great ball from Keen to heads up ball and to put it in an area where he figured someone would be, but still a lot of work to do. And he absolutely smashed it. Carter, I loved your interview with Kyrie after the game where he even said he felt like he should have had a few more, uh, which just seems to be a different sort of mindset than Kyrie Shelton in 2018. And not that he didn't want to score goals necessarily, but I just don't think he had as much confidence in that specific role uh, on the field, whereas now we're seeing someone who is incredibly confident and not between decisions. I think a lot of times in 2018, there were a few opportunities that were missed because of a bit of indecisiveness that may have overcome him in, uh, in and around the box. And I think now you're just seeing that confidence to be the one to put the ball in the back of the, not, uh, in the, back of the net and not uh, maybe opt to, to lay it off or you know, look for somebody else uh, to put it in. Well, Kyrie Shelton certainly been one of the bright spots for Sporting Kansas City. Now, the game also, though, had some moments even after the two red cards that are a little concerning. You know, you give up a goal when you're up two men and protecting a lead. Uh, that's not, you know, that's not something any team wants to find themselves in the position of. And we're going to get into, through the course of the show today, maybe some of the reasons for that. And if that's something that Sporting Kansas City needs to worry about going forward. Now, one of the things I've been studying this week, and to be honest, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Sam Kovson, who really did the legwork on a lot of this for me. But watching these games, it sure seems to me like we've seen a lot of goals in the last 15 minutes of games and even more goals in stoppage time. I'm going to run some of that stuff out when we do our pregame show on Fox Sports Kansas City tomorrow. But I will tell you that just in general, from a percentage standpoint, there are a higher percentage of goals being scored in those last 15 minutes plus stoppage time in this competition than what we saw over the average of the last season in the regular season. And it makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. But I want to play a clip from Peter Vermees from yesterday because I asked him about that trend and if it's something that he expected coming into this competition. We expected that late in, late in, the, in the games or at least the last uh, 20 to 30 minutes that it was the games were going to become more wide open and probably a lot of goals would be scored or at least a lot of chances would, would be had. Um, I can say this now, I wouldn't have said this before game one, but, you know, for us, it was also important to, it was important for us to stay with uh, a similar group of guys uh, game after game because we're also trying to build some rhythm and trying to build some consistency. And then finally trying to build some guys that have, you know, 90 minutes fitness um it's hard to do if you're you know changing lineup around every every game um it, it's different if you have a bunch of guys that are already really fit it, it's just totally different and you think about the world cup the world cup comes on the heels of most players having played a full season so it's not like they're trying to get 90 minutes fit they are fit this is a a, a different um challenge in that regard because you're not coming off of a season you're just starting your season and and so for us the the idea was is that we had to get a group of guys into some type of rhythm and then we could start playing around with the lineup or playing around with uh you know substitutions um and so that that part uh is is at least starting to come and obviously what we're looking forward to is what the schedule looks like after the tournament's finished as well, because, you know, not to lose 
like not to have a big amount of time between the last game you play and then the next game you play because then you're kind of back to square one again. All right, guys, so there's Peter Vermees, and I think it's interesting because I asked him the question about so many late goals just overall in MLS uh, is back in the MLS is back tournament and why that is, but he took it right to the substitution question, which I didn't even really ask him about, but it is, it has been a talking point because we know coming into this competition, five subs are available to each team and seeing some teams decide to make a lot of rotations and make subs and other teams not do so much. Peter Vermees has been more on that spectrum of fewer subs, those subs coming later in the game. He brought that up on his own right there. And I thought it was interesting because he talked about the cohesion of the team and trying to get the team into match fitness, which was something that you haven't really heard much said about in that regard to this point. He's trying to ramp his guys up a little bit. Um, it's interesting. And we've seen it work and not work on both sides. Uh, Mark Dos Santos, Carter, I know he's a guy that you're a big fan of. His team, he didn't make any subs in that game against San Jose till late in a stoppage time, and they capitulated, gave up a late lead and a marauding run for a goal at the end. But then we saw Greg Vanny make a couple of substitutions with his team up a man, and it disrupted the entire chemistry of the team, and they gave up a two-goal lead with a man advantage. I don't know what the right answer is, but it's interesting to see what the different managers are, are trying to do when it comes to the, the ability to have more subs, but also trying to get their team back into some form of cohesion after four months off. Yeah, you're right. We've seen it on both sides. I thought the Vancouver one was interesting because they conceded on a set piece late as well. And I talked before the tournament with the coaching staff here, and they talked about the fact that it's going to be, if you make a lot of subs, it's very difficult to keep those set piece assignments uh, up to up to date when, when you're out on the field. And when the other team's making a lot of subs as well, then you have to, all this stuff goes into it. And so um, it's, it's an interesting aspect of it. But I, I always think because of the fitness aspect, we were going to get some late goals in this tournament. What with it being almost like a preseason um, with the heat, but then also the fact that it's tournament style and these guys want to get these late goals. Um, and if they're down, they, they might push it a little bit more than, than they maybe would in, in just a regular season. So it's been really, really fascinating. Well, and just to build on that, something else that Vermees has talked about, even going back to last season, is the mental and physical buildup that a team um, develops throughout an entire season to go into these competitions and be mentally and physically fit. U.S. Open Cup doesn't come until uh, a few months into the season. Obviously, the playoffs and you know the MLS Cup at the end of the season that you're building towards that entire time. So whether that's fitness, whether that's uh, a mentality, those things. I think that's the other reason why we're seeing a lot of these late game goals is that you're in this tournament style. Um, you're, you know, you're playing in this tournament style format and a lot of those, you know, maybe polished responses in, you know, a, a late game scenario aren't necessarily there. And I think Twelman had brought that up on the first broadcast with the Minnesota United game. Those stoppage time goals, maybe Sporting Kansas City just hadn't reached that physical and mental level of fitness to be as sharp in those in those final situations despite being you know down a man as well but I think that that is what's made for a really interesting tournament is you know all of the factors it's the first games back after four months off it's you know a really competitive tournament there's a lot on the line we're seeing a lot of you know I think more red cards late game goals but it's made for an exciting product well they got the three points and certainly in a complete juxtaposition from the first game where they played well, 
got the red card, lost. This time they didn't get out of the gates very well, but got the red card on the other side of the equation and were able to win the game. And obviously the end of the day is how many points you get. So that's what matters. But you mentioned the, the, the mental aspect of things, Allie, and that is something that is very real at all times in the world of sports, but maybe even accentuated in something as unique as what's going on in Orlando. I thought it was interesting. After the game, Peter Ramiz was asked about the slow start against Colorado, and he said, look, the team's been through a lot in the past week. We lost a heartbreaking game. It's hard to get back up from a game like that. We had someone test positive on the team, and that's something Peter brought up and said that it created a lot of angst and, and players were worried. And I think we could say that about all of the players going down into the bubble. Let's be honest. It, it makes sense for there to be some anxiety to go into a situation like this that you've never been in before amidst a global pandemic in a state where things are, are starting to get a little shaky. You can understand the players and anybody that's going down there feeling some anxiety over those situations. Now, hopefully what we've seen, we just got another update from MLS, which is I think the third one in a row now where they've gone through the comprehensive testing of the entire bubble and had zero positive tests. I will knock on wood every time that happens because we know things can change, but that's got to make the guys feel a little bit better right there. And so I asked Tim Melia about that at the news conference yesterday. What were things like this emotional roller coaster that the team went through in the last two weeks? And what are they like now coming off a win and having this string of positive tests? No new players on the team testing positive for Sporting Kansas City. And, uh, and here's what Tim had to say about that. So, Carter, I'll, I'll start with you. You're, you're living it. You're down there with the guys. Um, let's look at that positive side of things. Being able to get back out with the fellas. We saw the videos from Daniel Shallowy getting to have a, a you know, play game of volleyball in the pool. Those might seem like little things to people outside of the bubble, but I've got to think for the players, that makes a huge difference just on the overall atmosphere of having some sense of maybe normalcy, some sense of security, and, and just having some levity with the guys as you're going through this, uh, this situation. Yeah, certainly. I mean, from my perspective, uh, obviously I'm not playing the games, but definitely was getting a little cabin fever there, uh, just kind of being stuck in our rooms for that that week after the positive test, you know, we talked about my beach view. We're watching, I'm watching all the other teams out there like laughing and high-fiving and everything. And I'm in here like the kid in detention at recess. And yeah, um, yeah I, I can imagine that that gets on, on people's minds. Um, and I think you're right when you first said it, it's gotta be on pretty much everyone's minds here. And um, it was, it was kind of funny in that week after the positive test going around the hotel with SKC gear on because people looked at you like you were, you know, not to make a lot of it, but like, it was like, you felt like being a leper, really. I mean, like it was, it was a wide berth in the halls. If, if anyone came near you, um, a really funny one was I was on the elevator going down, opens up before the lobby and uh, some guys from another team kind of uh, some staff members, started to walk in uh, without looking up and seeing who's in there. And the first guy kind of looks up, sees it's me, literally tries to like stop himself from going into the elevator, but has his momentum has already carried him. So he's like waving his arms like on the edge, you know, on the cliff. And, <laughs> and the other guys just kind of pushed him in there. 
And uh, so I, I wonder if Minnesota players had that in their minds when they were playing sporting in that game. Um, it, it is a, it's, it's got to be in the back of all these guys' minds. So I agree, having that weight lifted, we've been tested every single day since then. So that's, I think we're on day 13 now um, of all, all negative tests all around. And uh, seeing the guys playing the pool volleyball, going to dinner, a couple times here on the on, at the restaurants at the resort um it's i think lifted the spirits of the guys for sure hearing vermise's comments on all of that after the game and then hearing melia speak about it this week as well it brought me back to a conversation and a debate that's been happening pretty much all since you know the pandemic started and that is should there be an asterisk next to the winner of you know Major League Baseball shortened season, Major League Soccer shortened season. Should we put an asterisk because it's shortened? Does it count? Does it carry as much weight? And if anything, what Vermees and Melia have just talked about to me almost emphasizes how, yeah, there's an asterisk, but it's because these guys are putting themselves in a situation that is so unique and so challenging, both mentally and physically. There's an asterisk because you're never going to see really anything like this ever again. And it's not an easy feat by any means. So if anything, I give them a lot of credit for the way that, you know, to, to experience all of those challenges down in the bubble and still be one and one, you know, one loss and one and one win going into their third game. Uh, it was really impressive just given all of those mountains that they had to face uh, going into that first game, especially. I think Jurgen Klopp said it. It's he doesn't feel it's an asterisk. He feels it's a gold star. It, yeah. I mean, all all the teams are going through the same exact uh, situation, and it's it is like you just said. It's it's a it's once in a lifetime, um, really tough circumstances. And I, for me personally, I'm going to give a ton of credit to whoever wins this tournament, and I'm going to give a ton of credit to if seasons continue in whichever sport to whichever teams come out on top for going through this adversity. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be a great achievement. Leave it to Carter to bring up Jurgen Klopp, by the way, on the show. Uh, but you know what? Well done. And I love Jurgen Klopp. And it's a great quote. It's right. It's a gold star, not an asterisk. And I saw what LeBron James had to say yesterday about this. He said, look, every season brings with it a set of unique challenges. No season is the same, whether it's injuries, whether it's something that's going on off the court. Every season has its challenges. This just happens to be a set of challenges we've never seen before. And it's going to be about which teams can adjust, which teams can cope with some of the issues we've talked about. Sporting Kansas City's had their share right now. And if they cope with those and can get a result on Wednesday and move through, they should feel nothing but an enormous sense of pride in that accomplishment and then try to go win a trophy. To that end, we're going to talk with one of the guys that helped them get that, that very important result against the Colorado Rapids. Graham Zussi scored the match winner. He's going to join us next on the Sporting Kansas City Show. The Sporting Kansas City Show continues on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you stream your content on video. We appreciate you watching. We appreciate you listening. And we appreciate our next guest because he scored the game winner on, uh, on Friday night. Graham Zussi, the, Orla <laughs> <laughs> the Orlando native. That was quite the discussion, Graham. We were wondering, was that going to be an own goal? Was that going to be a goal? But you get it, man. Take, take credit for it. You, you scored the game winner. How's it feel? 
well, it feels good to get the three points. Um, like you said, it's, it's, it's a bit debatable on whether I should have been credited with that one, but uh, look, I'll take it. Um, and I'll, I'll certainly take the three points, put us in a, a decent position in our, in our group. And um, not to mention it gets us three points in, in the, the standings in regular season as well. So um, that, was a, that was a good win for us. So Graham, what did you see on that exact play? If you did, if you're kind of iffy on whether or not it should have been a goal, shouldn't have been a goal, what were you going for? Well, no, I was, I was certainly shooting. Um, okay. Definitely. There, there was a, you know, we had, we had a, a set piece corner kick and um, I usually kind of hang out in the top of the box and, and try to clean up any uh, clearances or, or scrums in the box. And um that's exactly what it was. It was a bit of a scrum. Uh, we had a couple chances at it, and then it popped out. And um, all I was trying to do was to to put a shot on frame. And with that many bodies in the box, uh, sometimes you get lucky and you get a deflection, and that's what happened. Um, I like how we jumped right into the soccer here. Usually we have a, a little bit of a, a flip flopping around. So um, I, we already I got that ask... out of the way, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to ask about the in-game adjustments that you guys made. It looked like after the first half water break, you guys kind of got into the game a little bit more, and then certainly after halftime, um, you, you guys got on the ball a lot more. What what type of adjustments do you guys talk about? Well, credit to to Colorado in that game. They they had a game plan that they executed pretty well and they were putting us on the back foot pretty, pretty well. So, um, you know, we took that first water break just to, just to move some people around um, just a little bit, you know, it, it was, it wasn't anything major, but um, we, it was obvious what they were trying to do that, that big switch point of attack um, and then rotate back in, in towards the middle. So, um, just being a little bit closer to their to their outside wingers um, when they got the ball, I think helped us a bit. And then um, and then our when when we had the ball, just our our movement and um, you know we, we saw that they were pushing their their outside backs and their uh, and their wingers to to put a lot of pressure on our outside guys as well. So um, really not not allowing them to 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 do that. Um, and, and playing more, a little bit more interior um, kind of helped us uh, quite a bit in, in terms of getting in behind them and getting some better chances. So we're talking with Graham Zussi, and, and yesterday during the, uh, the press conference or Zoom call that Sporting did, Tim Melia talked a little bit about, um, obviously, it's, nobody wants to give up a goal when you're up two guys. Uh, and you're protecting a lead at that point in time. And, and they had a couple of other kind of half chances at that point as well. And he said, look, this is tournament format. Teams that are down are going to be driving for goals, no matter what the situation is. They're going to be putting you under pressure. They're going to be risking things. And so that was kind of one of his theories on why we're seeing a lot of this type of craziness at the end of games down in Orlando um, and also we hear a lot about the fitness aspect of things. You guys haven't had games in four months and you're playing in pretty hot, real conditions. Is that how you see it? Are, are those the two main components to what's going on late in these games or, uh, or, or maybe what, what's your take on that whole situation? I'd say that's, that's pretty accurate. I think it's, it's definitely a combination of the two. It's, um, you know, people trying to, uh, to, to salvage points at the end of the game. So they're throwing, throwing people forward. And then also, it, it's, uh, 
you know, the fitness aspect of it is, is real. Um, it is extremely hot, extremely humid. Um, and I, and that wears on your body. And, and when you see at the end of games, um, tire legs and, um, and, and maybe, maybe people not getting, uh, getting back and, and focused defensively um, towards the end of games. And um, I think that's why you're seeing so many goals late in this tournament, um, not just in our games, but, but uh, across the board. So uh, definitely a combination of those two. Graham, I want to go back to something that Carter brought up with, you know, the, the adjustments that you all made following the water break. And with those built-in water breaks, Vermees was asked, is this something that you'd like to see continued on after this tournament? And he was like, you know, I, I don't necessarily think so because of some of the advantages that might come with having those built-in timeouts. How have you, I guess, felt about having those water breaks, not just from actually getting to hydrate, but also to kind of recalibrate as a group and maybe come back onto the field with adjustments or, you know, different changes? Right. Um, you know, we do have the water break instituted uh, into the, our, our league um, beforehand that when it comes to like the crazy heat and, and whatnot right. so um I, I don't mind that but um yeah I, I don't think it is necessary for uh for every single game um i think it can be used as as a bit of an advantage for a team that may be under a lot of pressure at the time um you know we Typically, we pride ourselves as being an extremely fit team, um, and I, I think that if we're, you know, in control of a game and, and really pushing and pushing, um, we don't want the other team to have a break. You know, we want to continue to to kind of drive them into the ground and um, and and take advantage of of, uh, of that fitness. So um, I, I think I'd agree with Peter when uh, when he says that you know. I don't think it's it's necessary, or I, I wouldn't want to have them instituted in, in every single game. Um, but in those crazy hot, humid days, um, I, I certainly understand it. Zeus, I'm glad we have you on finally because you, as Nate alluded to, are the Orlando native in the squad. Um, How does it feel being back home? Although I guess it's <laughs> not really a homecoming. It's, we're here in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I was uh, I was talking with someone, and they were asking me where I was from, and uh, and I and I answered, "Oh, just outside of Orlando." And then I realized that we were in Orlando when I answered that question. And, and um, yeah, like you said, it doesn't really feel much like a homecoming because um, we are pretty much quarantined in, t in the hotel. Um, yeah, certainly uh, it brings back some memories, and, and I'm having a little bit of nostalgia. Um, playing in those uh, at those Disney fields and and even around these these those hotel grounds, I've I've been around here uh, a few times uh, down on the boardwalk and and some of these uh, these hotel pools as well. Is uh is it always like this where it rains like every single day or is that just a summer thing? It 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 certainly amps up in the summer. Um, you know, you get those those crazy thunderstorms that roll in super quick and uh, you get the downpour for about 30 minutes to an hour and then it's back to being sunny, humid, and hot. Impossible to get a golf round in. 
<laughs> Nearly, yeah. Carter <laughs> is going to like demand a voucher when he leaves this bubble to come back and finally get that golf round in. Hey, I was playing well. We didn't get to finish our round, man. We need to get back out there. I, I you you guys were behind us, and I, I saw you stick a, a couple close to the pin there. Uh, yeah, how yeah. how were you how were you doing that day? Um, I, I'd say my forte was uh, my approach shots that day. Um, I was oh eh, I was okay off the tee, um, but but I was a, a bit of a pin seeker um, when it comes to my, my, my forte that day. Are you the best golfer on the team? Me? No, not even close. Who, uh, well, everybody says you and everybody throws you and bees out there as, as two of the top guys. I feel like when, when we've been asking them about it, I'd say, I'd, I'd, I'd actually say Graham Smith is probably the best golfer. Um, bees is up there as well. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess I can't count. My, I, I'm not. I'm not in the top two, but I'd say maybe top five. It's a good place to be. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, besides golf, what have been some of the other activities that have been really fun? And what's maybe like a really funny moment that's happened during group get-togethers? So, like you, you probably know, we we are pretty much confined to the uh, to the hotel grounds, um, but they've done a decent job at setting up some things that we can do around. Um, there are some uh, you know, ping pong games, um, guys who like to play uh, like the, I'm gonna say Nintendo and really date myself right now, but I don't know what else they're called. I call, I call everything Nintendo. Um, video games, I'll, I'll, I'll say that, yeah. Uh, so there's some video games that the guys can play. Um, uh, a few really nice pools. We were playing uh, pool volleyball the other day, and uh, I guess to answer your funny question, um, we were having a, a really nice rally going back and forth, and it ended with uh, Daniel just getting it spiked in his face. Uh, I think he actually just put a put a video out yesterday of that happening. Um, but it was it was just a fun uh, fun day to kind of take our our minds off of being locked away in this hotel for a, a month or so. But um, yeah, there, there are some things around the hotel that, that um, can uh, let us pass the time pretty well. Okay, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna be honest with you here, Graham. Uh, and this could get me in trouble. Oh boy. But when I talk to Carter and I talk to you guys and I see the videos that Daniel's posting, as a married man with three children at home, including a baby who's not exactly sleeping on a consistent basis right now, I actually like look longingly at what you guys are doing. And I'm sure that if you ended up making it like a five week thing, that it makes it, a, that puts it in a different category. And I know that I would miss my wife and kids a whole lot, but I gotta be honest with you. There's times I'm like, you know what? Like, uh, a month at a resort in Florida with a bunch of my buddies playing video games and playing soccer doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> and, and again, I realize grass that's not the whole greener. picture. The grass is always greener. <laughs> right? right? I'll just stick to that. I, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> and I 100%. Sleeping, I, sleeping in my, my bed at home sounds pretty nice as well. Yeah, you don't have, you don't have a nine month old screaming at, at, at right next to your bed though while that's happening. I'm just saying. That is fair. <laughs> but, no, hey, look, and I get it. Hey, it, this is a challenge. And, and to be real for a second on that, Peter brought up something after your guys' game the other night when when he was asked. Actually, I think the question started 
about the slow start to the game, how, how Colorado jumped out. And Peter said, look, the guys have been through a lot in the past week. We had a positive test on the team, which forced the guys to have to hang out in their rooms. They couldn't even hang out with each other for the past week. And that's a huge component to, to lightening the mood and making things better um, in that regard. We lost a heartbreaking game in the first game in, in difficult fashion. Um, it, it's, it's been a tough week, and maybe that takes its toll when you, when you go out on the field. The good news is you guys responded from that, and, and now you've got the win. And so I guess my, uh, if you could maybe talk about what that roller coaster has been like and also maybe on the positive side, now you're coming off of a win, and you are getting to do a few more of those things. How different is it now maybe than it was just a week ago? Yeah, I – you're you're so so right about that. It, that that first week was it was it was a bit rough and, and not gonna lie, it was a, it was a bit stressful as well. I think um, when we did get that positive test, uh, we almost expected it to to trickle down and, and and get worse and and the news to come that you know a few more guys had it. So. Uh, wh whether we'd like to admit it or not, that was that was in the back of our head. And and like you you said before, um, when that positive test came, we were we were very much quarantined into our own rooms. Um, even even meals were were uh, relegated to to being in our rooms as well. So um, we didn't have that you know constant camaraderie uh, of being in the group together and. Um, being able to to go down to the pool and, and have fun. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think you can attribute the slow start to the tournament uh, at least a little bit to that. Um, but um, I will say that this the, the past week has been um, a lot lighter in terms of mood. Um, you know, luckily that that uh, that was the only test, the positive test that we had, um, and we've been clear since then. Um, I think the the trainings have been, uh, you know, sharper, lighter, um, you know, more uh, more focused, and um, you know, we were able to get that win on. on gosh, I don't even know what day it week really is right now. Uh, <laughs> Friday. Friday. There you go. Um, and I think uh, I think our mood going into this game is is very good. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited about this game. I, I think. I think it'll be our best performance um, uh, of the tournament so far, and it, it'll uh, kind of boost us into the, the, the next round. Graham, what gives you that confidence, seeing as, um, you know, how the team has performed in the first two games? And Peter even mentioned that he felt it would take about three games in to really see that rhythm start to form within teams. But what gives you that confidence, and what are you seeing from the team that makes you feel like this is going to be the best performance yet? Well, you know, it's not like we were we were bad in these games. I mean, we, we there were some dull moments, I, I'd say, but there were some things that we we were actually really good at. Um, so I think it's it's building from those positives, um, and then also uh, getting back to 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 who we are as a team, and and those things take time. You know, I think I think we got some of the the rust out of our system in the first two games, and um, what gives me the confidence is is what I see in training leading up to this this final game. Um, and it has been a whole heck of a lot sharper. It 
it's been uh, the, the energy has been has been there and um, just those two things alone I think give the group confidence to to go into this game and, and, and get a positive result. You mentioned the the win against Colorado is a is a win in the Western Conference as well and um, if you go 30 years back when you guys won the first two games of the season, um, it seems like it means you're three and one now um, and scoring a boatload of goals. And I, I kind of want to ask you about the, a couple of the new guys, because it seems like you're a connectozoid for, for two of them. You're playing next to Roberto Punchets. Um, so what's he been like? And then the other one is, is Kyrie, who's, you know, a returner, but uh, he, he looks, he looks improved uh, since he's, since he's come back. What, what do you, what have you seen from those two guys that you play a lot with along that right side? Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was extremely pleased with, with the way Robbie came in. It was, it was such a seamless transition for, for me. Um, you know, it, it felt natural. You know, his communications very, very good, even for being a, a foreign player. Um, and he's just a, a kind of a, a calming presence. Um, he's, he's good on the ball, um, but he's also a, a, a physical guy who, who doesn't mind getting into tackles. And he just reads the game very well. Um, and then Kyrie came back with just this uh, this whole new level of confidence that, that um, you know, you saw, I, I think, in, in the first stint that he was here, you, you saw in bits and pieces um, but now it's just a, a, a constant high level of play that, that we're getting from him. And um, yeah, he, he's been, he's been outstanding and just a handful for, for the other team. His work rates um, exceptional and, uh, and he's scoring goals, which is ultimately um, the most important thing for us. So um, yeah, he's, he's been great. I, I, I only see his, his level maintaining going forward and, and um, yeah, just thrilled with, with the way those two guys have, have been. Hey, Graham, before we let you go, we have to ask the obligatory question about the early kickoff. Um, <laughs> when was the last time you played a game at nine o'clock in the morning? And, uh, and I know you guys have been training specifically at that time of day to try to get ready for it, but uh, what are your thoughts on, on playing that early in this one? Gosh, I was probably 12. Last time I played at night, <laughs> um, but no, I, I you know I think uh, you know our trainings have been at 8 a.m. for the past two weeks, so um, this shouldn't be a shock to the system at all. Um, in terms of weather, it, it'll be hotter for sure, but um, you, you've been seeing these games uh, go on for the past uh, couple weeks, and you get what four water breaks plus halftime, so. Um, you know, I think knowing that going into the game should should allow us to really push. Um, you know, you, you can really break the game down into 15-minute stints if you want. You know, push for 15 minutes, and then you get a break. Push for another 15, you get a break, halftime. And then uh, same thing with the second half. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a brutally hot, humid morning. But um, knowing that we get those little breaks should, should – uh, the back of your head lets you know that um, you won't die. <laughs> <laughs>
Graham, I do have one last question because you brought up growing up in that area and having memories of playing in that same complex. What memory stands out to you as a young soccer player growing up and, and playing down where you are now playing as a professional soccer player? Ali, that was, what, 25 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> My memory is not that good. Uh, uh, I, I probably wouldn't be able to, to give you one specific memory, but um, I do remember the, the teams that I was on. We, we were just, we had so much fun. I mean, uh, we, <laughs> we were kind of, uh, we, we, were, we were a bit of a jokesters even on the field. We would, we would do things like call timeouts in the middle of the game and, and, <laughs> and make the other team like look at the ref. And, and while they did that, we would be going down the field and trying to score. And, <laughs> Um, just so yeah, uh, we, we were, we were some, uh, some, some jokesters on the field and, um, and on the field and off the field, we, we, we had fun together and, and we were good and we won as well. So that kind of made it all, uh, made it all right. All right. I've been asking everyone, who's your favorite, who's your favorite Disney character? Um, slash favorite movie we can, we'll slide that in i was always a fan of uh donald duck actually my uh, my dad always did this like really really good donald duck impersonation and um yeah that's that's i guess that, that's what sticks out in my memory and then favorite disney movie gosh that's always tough i mean lion king's all it has to be up there for everyone i feel um is uh, in terms of like a little bit newer, is Emperor's New Groove, is that a Disney movie or was that Pixar? Ooh. I always get them mixed up, yeah. I couldn't, I wish Great I could movie talk. though, doesn't Great matter. Great shout. That's, that's a good one for me. Um, it was a Disney, I just looked it up. So. Is that nice? Nicely done. Yeah, I'll go with those two. Old, old I school. Think it, I think go Aladdin because of no, you know, the shirt off thing. Oh gosh, there we go. <laughs> Aladdin, Tarzan. I don't know. Should I just take it off right now? Yeah, please do. <laughs> hey, we need ratings. We need ratings. It's, that's the number one, you know, whatever it takes. Hey, and for the record, I love my wife and kids. <laughs> I would miss them terribly. I know, I'm giving you a hard time. Right? If I would, I got to put that out there because my son listens to the podcast. I love you, son. <laughs> you know, I, would, I wouldn't want to be away for five weeks. Uh, I was just kidding. Um, and and I, I'll, in all seriousness, I know that, hey, it, this this is uh, it's a challenge being away from home for everybody for this long, uh, and and we're glad you guys are, are playing soccer though because it's a lot of fun for us to watch back here. So hang in there, guys, and uh, Graham, thank you so much for the time and good luck on Wednesday morning. Thanks a lot, Nate, and and I agree, man. It's you know we're certainly grateful to be doing the thing that we love to do, and and uh, can't wait to be back there in front of our fans as well. Yeah, go call some timeouts Wednesday morning. Yeah, that's right. yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There's Graham Zussi. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show right after this. All right, we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show. Great stuff from Graham Zussi. No surprise there. Uh, always a little disappointing. He had his shirt on for the interview. For me, I'm just speaking for myself there, but. Uh, I guess, you know, he's got to leave something to the imagination every once in a while. Um, but guys, now we, we focus forward to this Real Salt Lake game. 
What a game. Rivalry game. Result is needed for Sporting Kansas City to get through. And we're playing breakfast soccer, guys. Uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, Central Time. It'll be on uh, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, uh, Sports Radio 810. I think it's going to do some live listen-ins during the course of the game as well. Um, and, 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 Allie, I know you asked Tim Mealy about this. I was joking, as, as, the, as the gray hair on the show who's, who's got children that wake up at 7 o'clock every morning no matter what, I was saying play all the old guys in this one. You know, the, the old guys, your body clock just starts waking you up earlier, the, old, the more advanced you get in life. But you asked, actually, Gerso and Tim Mealy about it, right? And, and they had, they had uh, some life perspective on why morning games might not matter for them. You know, looking back, I would have rephrased the question because I asked it in a way that, you know, what is the challenge in having an early game more so from the perspective of this isn't the typical time that you're playing. And both of them had an answer that might surprise you. Here's that sound. I'm excited for it. We're, both of us are fathers, so we're up super <laughs> early anyway. So this is going to be nothing for us. Uh, I know it's been talked a lot about in this league, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as it's being made out to be. And it's a it's a early competition. So we get to wake up right away. We aren't waiting around for the game. We get our meal. We go, we go to the game. We do our business. Then we have all day after the game. So I'm excited for it. I think it's just going to be interesting. Yeah, and uh, I do agree with Tim. And actually, I do prefer playing in the morning just because we, you wake up and you're already ready for the game. You don't have to wait so much for so much long to to play the game so you are focused and fresh right in the morning so it's i think it's, it's the best thing so i i'm excited for it so yeah they're excited maybe not everyone on the team i don't know how john luca busio or daniel shallowy <laughs> will feel and carter i know that you know you've talked about that they've been getting up pretty early the testing starts around 6 30 so it's really just getting up a little earlier to to eat breakfast Hey, Carter's the guy I'm worried about here. I mean, this guy, this is a bachelor, you know, he is not, his, he has never woken up at seven o'clock on a Saturday on purpose in his life. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm not a morning person. It's been rough down here. Um, but I think I'm a little used to it now and, and we'll see if, it, if that pays dividends in this game for, for SKC because yeah, the training has been at, uh, at 8 a.m. for the most part uh, throughout this whole stint down here in Orlando I think RSL has oscillated a little bit I think they've been more some in the morning some in the evening so um, I was talking to some of the fitness guys and they don't think it'll be much of a, a huge uh, advantage for SKC but I guess, I guess we'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see um, but I, I, did you guys see the uh, sporting cereal that SKC put out uh, and I was wondering which I, one loved that so I love plays on words like at any time and it's funny I literally looked at that and I immediately started googling cereals like trying to come up with more just because I thought it was so fun um I think my favorite the golden grams was just really clever golden grams is great uh, I, I was I was hats off to to the team that came up with that one that yeah and, and golden grams actually quite delicious as well very yeah. delicious another yeah. good point frosted timmy wheats made me laugh but uh uh, I'm a little sad, actually. I don't know if you guys have seen the ratings. They've been actually pretty good for the primetime games, but the morning game ratings have been really bad. So uh, I thought coming into the tournament, it wouldn't be the, that, the case. And uh, that's a little disappointing for me. So hopefully uh, we get a little bump tomorrow. Let me ask a question. Do that doesn't incorporate streaming, though, does it? Those are it's a good point. Ratings in general are maybe a little outdated in, in how they uh, come across these numbers. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I don't think it includes the streaming numbers. Well, and I bring that up because people are at work, you know, I mean, if, if I'm watching that game, uh, if, you know, I think the average working person's watching that game, they might be watching it on a device, watching it on ESPN plus, um, you know, and streaming it on their iPad or something like that, instead of watching on TV. So I don't know if the numbers would be better there, but hopefully, Hey, I'm looking, I gotta be honest with the English premier league and MLS's back tournament. I'm watching five soccer games a day. This has been great. <laughs> I've, I've been having, if anything, it's just like, everybody leave me alone. I'm watching more soccer. You know, I'm starting to drive my kids crazy with that. You know, also guys, we talked with Addison Merrick, the North Carolina courage yeah. out first round of the knockouts, the clear oh. favorite uh, in that mm -hmm. tournament, huge loss to, the, uh, to Portland. So that's been a really exciting tournament too. It's unfortunate that you can only get it on CBS All Access, but some really great yeah. games. And, and, and I think that that North Carolina loss really uh, opens up the landscape now for, you know, it's, any, it's really anyone's tournament. So yeah, no doubt. That's been a lot of fun to watch as well. Now, real quick, couple thoughts on this RSL game, guys. Real Salt Lake is an interesting one because we saw them down in Arizona when Jacob Peterson and Carter and I were down there uh, for the preseason. And to be honest with you, they look pretty downright bad in that preseason game. But you always know that you can, you can only take so much into uh, consideration with preseason. They were a decent team last year, playoff team. Um, and this year, they got two draws in the regular season. Now in this competition, they're one of only two teams in the MLS's back tournament who have not conceded a goal yet. They've been difficult to break down. They've had a couple of good moments offensively. They really dominated the Colorado Rapids in that first game. So what do we expect to see from this Real Salt Lake team on Wednesday morning? Carter, I'll start with you. Yeah, they're going to be difficult to break down. Um, I talked to Cal Williams, and he said that Minnesota RSL game was one of the one of the games that had the least happen in it in the entire tournament, maybe in an MLS game in some time. So I'm hoping that we don't get a repeat of that. Um, but they've, like you said, they've been, they've been pretty steady at the back so far through four games. If you go back to the two before the, the pandemic and then the two here in the tournament. So um, they look to uh, be focusing on that to, to start the year um, being solid at the back and maybe, growing into their new team. They've got some, some different uh, pieces that have come into the, into the fold. So um, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see SKC. They should have a lot of the ball and yeah, how are they going to break this team down? Um, the other thing is, will Albert Rusnak be healthy? Will he be fit and available? Because that is a, a big question mark for RSL. I think Krylock's the, the main man, but um, because he can do anything for the team, but Rusnak is is a difference maker, and so if they're without him, that'll be a, a big piece missing. I'm so excited for this game. I think the rivalry for you know starters is just always going to lend to a really exciting game, no matter what. But when you bring up the fact that RSL has been so solid defensively and Sporting has been you know so lethal on the attack, I think it's going to create a really interesting dynamic in the game. I think the one concern uh, from the Sporting KC side going into this one is just the way that the goals against them have been scored in this MLS's back tournament. Um, getting caught on the counter, uh, especially the goal from Colorado where they were up two men. I think you look at that and you wonder, are they as solid defensively this year or did they just get caught, you know, kind of backtracking a little bit and just got caught in a bad moment. But the, on the, you know, on the other hand, seeing how great they've been up top and especially with the emergence of Kyrie Shelton, 
I think that, you know, if anyone's going to, to put some goals in the back of the net against Real Salt Lake, it's going to be Sporting Kansas City. Well, we know Sporting really struggled to protect leads last year. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's something that it, they've done it now. They've, they've conceded late goals with the lead, both two first two games this tournament. We've talked about it. Is that the conditions? Is that fitness? Um, it's something that they certainly are not going to take lightly and want to make sure they address in this one. If they can get the lead in this, they want to close it out. So that's something to watch for. Also watch for Kyle Beckerman because he did not play in their last game. I have to think they were resting him. He's 37 years old now, I think. He's been playing for 20 years in this league. Um, so and he's still, he's still got an engine to him, and he's going to be rested. So Roger Espinoza, Kyle Beckerman, we still get to see it. A lot of the other names have come and gone, but we still get to see that in the midfield, which should mean that we'll get some bite in this game. And uh, again, and I'll, go ahead, Allie. I was just going to say, and if you look at, you know, history, I know it's hard to look at, you know, results in the past and how they might apply now, but Sporting's had the edge over Real Salt Lake in tournament style competitions, maybe not as much in regular season games, but when it comes to U.S. Open Cup, playoffs, Sporting's had the edge over Real Salt Lake. So we'll see if they can continue that streak. MLS Cup, you know, make that <laughs> yep. as well. Um, I, uh, well, that's I'll what be... I meant by the, yeah, the whole playoffs. <laughs> I'd be remiss if I uh, didn't mention uh, a certain number nine for Sporting Kansas City and his chance to um, extend his, his points streak to start a career. He's now at four games with a goal and an assist to start a career in SKC. No one had done three games before him. Now he's got the chance to go to five. Um, I mean, we talked about Kyrie Shelton, uh, but man, this, this Polito guy, uh, if he can keep it going, um, that's something that it looks like SKC can, can really rely on. I loved seeing the decisiveness with which he took that penalty. That was a question mark all last year for sporting was who's going to take the penalties. And that I, might seem I, like I, a simple thing. Yeah, sorry, Nate. I got to talk to him about that too, and he—it was interesting because he knew Yarborough pretty well from uh, Yarborough's time down in League MX, and so um, he talked about the mind games aspect of it as well. And you're you're saying decisiveness. He he said, "Listen, I just wanted to—I uh, picked a corner and I smacked it, and uh, it, it paid off, even though he went the right way." Yeah, that's right. You got to hit a good penalty if the goalkeeper guesses the right way to still score, and that's what he did. So that's that's good for the team going forward as well. All right, let me list out the details for you for Wednesday morning. We will have a live pregame show on Fox Sports Kansas City starting at 7 o'clock in the morning. So get your coffee, get your donuts ready, get your uh, golden grams or your bucios <laughs> and, uh, and be ready. You can watch the hour-long pregame show with us on Fox Sports Kansas City. We're going to have a lot of stuff from Carter Augustine from inside the bubble. Then we'll have the play-by-play -play on ESPN Kansas City. That's 1510 AM, 94.5 FM. Sports Radio 810WHB will be doing live listen-ins as well. And then right after the game, we're going to do a live post-game show on Fox Sports Kansas City as well for 30 minutes. So we'll have some highlights. Carter will have some interviews. We'll carry some of the Zoom conferences that the players and coaches do after the game as well as hopefully breaking down where and when Sporting Kansas City will be playing in the knockout rounds. They've got to get a result on Wednesday. If they do that, they're on to the knockout rounds. They can finish anywhere from first to fourth. That's It's all up for grabs. And we won't know for sure until later that night because that's when Minnesota United and Colorado will play. I wish they were all playing at the same time, but that's not in the cards for this one. So 
that's all on the schedule for you on Wednesday uh, for Carter August Carter Augustine and Allie Trost. This is Nate Bucatis saying thanks for watching and listening to the Sporting Kansas City Show.